be, just might be, the game of the year again on the same rink involving the same two teams tonight at PPG Paints Arena. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot at Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates that I hope you'll check out. Penguins versus Rangers, 7.08 p.m. Tonight, just four days and one 11-goal outburst against the Red Wings after the Rangers really had their way with the Penguins up at Madison Square Garden, winning 5-1 to one, but scoring three times in the first four minutes and 16 seconds, and it just went very, very poorly. And you know what? I have a feeling that even if the Rangers hadn't gotten off to that spectacular start, just in terms of outcome, meaning that they hadn't scored any of those three goals, it was still going to go the way that it did because the Penguins stepped onto that rink with completely the wrong mindset. They went out there thinking, we're just going to play hard and we're going to play right with these guys instead of doing what they've done all season when they've been most successful against the strongest opponents. And that is to play through them as opposed to with them or around them. Go through them. Front the puck, stay on the right side of the puck. All those Mike Sullivanisms apply. It's a matter of being in the other guy's faces constantly, never letting them breathe, and in the process, winning the puck and then doing intelligent things with the puck and just basically letting the natural skill take over. Now, I could get real complex and layered about this, and for that matter, Sullivan could outdo that by a degree of about a billion. Or... It can be made this simple. Play like Teddy. That's it. That's it. I asked Sullivan the other night, this was in Buffalo, about what he and the rest of the coaching staff appear to be doing with Teddy since Zach Aston Reese has been traded as it relates to the PK because Teddy's doing a double turn. Uh, There are five forwards, and Teddy is two of them. And he just rotates. He just keeps going back out there to the bench and then back out and to the bench and back out. And when I asked Sullivan about it, his response, plain and simple, was we always put Teddy in tough positions. And then he went through a whole list of things that the coaching staff does to put him in tough positions, such as, defensive zone faceoffs, such as matching up against the other team's top forward line, such as all this extra PK duty, such as being the main forward out there whenever you're three on five. He handles all of those things, and he handles them well. Why? Because he's accustomed to being forced to be in the other team's collective grill from front to finish. And if you don't think of Teddy that way, it's kind of understandable because he's 
not exactly the meanest guy on or off the ice, but he wins his battles. He wins his individual puck battles on the ice. He'll win his physical battles too. And by that, I'm talking about angling, uh, getting a guy off a puck. It's not a matter of throwing him through the glass. This isn't 1975. It's a matter of gaining possession. Teddy does that extremely well. For a not-so-huge guy, he's very strong and sturdy on his skates. But he also, as we saw in the Detroit route, can finish a play and put up points. He's got nine goals and 12 assists in 50 games this season. That's it. Be Teddy. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals for those in need. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. I asked Teddy after the Detroit game about all the extra time he's seeing on PK and whether it would impact him. I knew what the answer would be, but I just want you to hear the nonchalance with which it was delivered. Um, I mean, not necessarily since Zach's been traded, but I think, you know, um, as time's gone on, that's kind of, especially this year, it's kind of big, a bigger and bigger part of my game. So um, for sure, take a lot of pride in it. And, you know, when we're out there on the PK, our jobs to, to kill it off. That's that's a, our responsibility, and you know we take the guys that are out there take a lot of pride in that. As far as like Zach being gone, obviously he was a big part of that, and, and we miss him, and um, you know both in the room and out there on the ice. But I think other guys have stepped in, like Rusty and, and Rods played played some PK. So that's kind of just the way it goes when someone gets hurt or gets traded or whatever. Then it's kind of the next guy up fills in that spot. So I don't think it's changed necessarily since he left. I've been doing this question and answer thing with athletes my whole life. And I know that there are some who would take that opportunity to say, yeah, it's going to be a grind. It's going to be a challenge, but that's what I live for. I'm here for that. You didn't get any of that from him. It's amazing that he didn't just come back at me and say, I mean, this is like the least bad thing they asked me to do. And I'm still going to do it. And I'm not really going to even talk about it. This is such a good hockey player. And I know there was a lot of fuss, uh, and rightly so, and and I was no exception to it at the expansion draft uh, last year. Expansion drafts always get blown grossly out of proportion. But at the time, it looked like the Penguins were going to lose either Brandon Tanev or Jared McCann. Didn't know that they'd lose both, but they made the decision to prioritize keeping Bluger. And I, I know that still isn't going to look great uh, against what McCann's done in Seattle and then McCann getting the five-year, $25 million deal, further illustrating his value to the Kraken. But there also was a salary cap involved and all kinds of other stuff. Look, it wasn't great, but taken in isolation, the decision that Ron Hextall and Brian Burke made to prioritize Teddy doesn't look bad, meaning just from the Teddy standpoint. Do you remember what this team looked like when he first went out after 
getting his jaw broken against Winnipeg. Do you remember that? And everyone's going, Teddy, Teddy's the glue. Oh, no, we miss Teddy. Well, he's back. And he makes a lot of things make sense. If he is your team's fourth-line center, but he's also front and center when it comes to all of your various defensive and penalty-killing responsibilities, this is a really valuable player to have. And when he contributes offensively, it wasn't just the goal against Detroit. He also had two assists. Actually, initially had three, and then they took one away from him. This is a good player. He's also someone upon whom you could ask the entire team, even if it's just symbolic, to model their game beginning tonight against New York. If you get on the wrong side of the puck and you let all those Criders and Panarins just go flying down the rink on two-on-ones against you, you're going to get clobbered again. But if you stop that, if you stop that at its source, usually at the attacking blue line, meaning turnovers there, you give yourself a chance, just like the one that the Penguins seized the first time these teams met. Be like Teddy. When we come back, just one question. Today's J1Q comes from Nathan Tewksbury, who asks, You'd like to keep Evgeny Malkin, Brian Rust, and Chris Letang, but if the Penguins could only keep two out of the three, who would you like to see get let go? Okay, well, I'll let everyone begin to absorb Nate's question and think about it for themselves, while I, diabolically, we'll come right back at Nate with an even harder question. Let's additionally presume, and this seems safe, that Ricard Raquel plays pretty well and, you know, puts in a few goals. He doesn't have to go all Jeff Carter on the process like what we saw last spring, but let's say that he looks like a valuable contributor. He's fast. He's got some decent size. He goes to the net. Like, without anybody telling him to or pointing out the direction. He just goes there. In addition to the goal and two assists that he produced against the Red Wings, he also was the key, critical screen on the Red Wings goaltenders on two of the Pittsburgh goals. Also, he's younger than any of them. And in fact, you know what, Nate? I'm not even going to let you off the hook with this being some kind of optional component to this exercise because this is the actual scenario that Hextall and Burke are going to face. And it's going to be a challenge. Uh, My own view on this for a while has been, this is going to sound like I'm ducking your question, but that the Penguins will have the ability to create the cap space that they need, in part because they're going to move a defenseman or two off of the NHL's most expensive blue line core. They have players 
who can replace uh, an entire pairing uh, rather routinely. You could move, just for argument's sake, John Marino and Marcus Patterson. I'm not suggesting that they should. I'm just throwing this out there. You could move both of those guys and replace them with uh, P.O. Joseph and, I don't know, Mark Friedman. Maybe you just start out the season that way and see what you need, meaning next season, along the way. But that right there is, you know, six, seven million uh, in cap hit savings. That's pretty significant. If you choose to let Kasperi Kapanen walk, that's another 3.2 million. So I feel like this can be done. I feel like these players can be retained. But I also feel like the last time I brought that up with you, Raquel wasn't on the team. And he is now. And if he makes an impact, these executives are not ever going to be comfortable cutting off the umbilical cord that's attached to the trade itself. It's one thing if your predecessor made the trade or something else like that, but if it's you and you send a draft pick out and you send Zach Aston Reese and Dominic Simone out and you send out a goaltending prospect who you genuinely believe will be a good one in Kali Klang, you're now looking at there's an, there's an attachment there. And you don't want that trade to be just for two months of a hockey player. You want to keep that hockey player. So Raquel comes along and complicates things. And, you know, I could go on with this answer for like an hour and a half and still not give you what you want. I'm not going there, Nate. I just, I'm just not. I'm not going to suggest that you should get rid of Malkin or Latang or Rust or even Raquel. Not right now. Not when I don't believe that it's going to be necessary. I really don't. If it comes to a difficult negotiation, and I know we've all been kind of waiting on Latang to be the one who falls into that category, then it might take care of itself. But that'll, in all likelihood, be a situation that's more out of your control than it is making a decision between this player or that player. It might just be one of the four just pricing themselves out beyond what you're willing to pay to keep them in Pittsburgh. And I'm going to say this again. I think they'll all still be here. I really do. But I do think you'll see other sacrifices made along the way. And the obvious place for that to happen is on defense. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll do another one tomorrow to discuss how all these Teddy Blugers shut down the Rangers. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.